Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope it'll be a good day for you, and thank you for letting us be a part of it. Coming up on today's program, we are going to talk tax proposals and potential impact on agriculture. We'll talk with Paul Neifer, CPA for Clifton Larson Allen. We'll talk markets with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst, and we'll get a report on the Farm Progress Show coming later this year in Decatur, Illinois. Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, will tell us about plans for the big show and how planting is going on the show site. That's coming up on today's program. But we're going to start it off checking in in our nation's capital with what's uh, the reaction to some of the proposals on climate and infrastructure. Joining us now is the Washington representative for CHS, Will Stafford. Will, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Let's talk about the infrastructure plan, or as I guess it's officially titled the American Jobs Plan. Um, we've It's been rolled out. We know some of the points of it, but there are not a lot of details at this point. What's the reaction in our nation's capital? Yeah, well, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was uh, rolled out last week by, by President Biden, um, and it's, it's really right now just an outline. Um, but it's uh, but there are some details that we do know. So the the total price tag is about 2.3 trillion of the part of the plan that he's laid out so far, and about 620 billion of that is for um, your classic transportation infrastructure. Uh, so 115 billion to modernize bridges, highways, roads. Uh, there's some money in there for inland waterways, ports, things like that. Um, that we're certainly from a competitive competitiveness standpoint. Uh, excited to see included in that. Um, you know, we are, uh, there are some details that are yet to be seen, uh, specifically around what money might be set aside in there for agriculture, conservation programs, things like that. Uh, but at the same time, we're watching uh, all the discussions surrounding how they're possibly going to pay for this as well. So uh, a lot to be uh, discovered as we move forward into the summer and Congress starts to take a look at this. There's already been discussions in Congress about uh, how they're going to get the votes to pass this bill and whether or not they're going to use a process called budget reconciliation, which would only take 50 votes in the Senate instead of the 60 that are usually needed to pass legislation. Uh, With with the margins so tight in the Senate at a 50-50 split and the House being pretty close as well, uh, Democrats are going to need every vote they can get. You know, there's a billion dollars proposed for agricultural resources management and that is supposedly a a way to get agriculture carbon neutral by the year 2050 Um, you know that's pretty broad and really waiting for some details on that right I mean that could go a lot of different directions and agriculture really I would think very interested to see what direction the administration is going to push for here yeah, it, it absolutely is broad, um, and there have not been a lot of details that have been put out on that specifically thus far. Uh, I will say that right now USDA is in, uh, I describe it as, as a listening mode uh, from farm groups and stakeholders, getting their opinions on how to best move forward with um, some of those climate questions that USDA is trying to answer. 
um, how that will tie into this uh, package so far. I don't know, uh, but I can tell you that uh, CHS and other folks within the agriculture industry are actively engaged in talking with USDA, talking with members of Congress um, about how, uh, you know, about our climate priorities and, and how we think we can um, best fit into that package. But like you said, the details are unclear, um, and it's certainly something that we're going to be watching as we move forward into the summer. The proposal also has $5 billion for a new rural partnership program, but little detail on how that money would be spent, although they do say it would help rural regions, including tribal nations, build on their unique assets and realize their vision for inclusive community and economic development. Again, uh, pretty broad description there for $5 billion. Uh, another area that could address some very important issues, but uh, again, short on detail. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it was really just the, the outline of the plan that was rolled out last week by the Biden administration, but a lot of the details are going to have to be hammered out uh, by members of Congress as they start to look at this bill. Um, the House, Nancy Pelosi, has indicated that they'd like to get something passed by the July 4th recess, um, and the chairman of the Environment and Public Works Committee in the Senate has said that they want to be looking at the trans transportation and infrastructure side of this package uh, by Memorial Day. So um, a lot of the details, like I said, are going to be hammered out um, in those areas. Uh, but to your point on on money set aside specifically for rural areas, this is something that um, I know us and lots of other ag groups are going to be pushing for, making sure that rural areas are included um, and, you know, see their equitable share of, uh, of such a large package. We're talking with CHS Washington Representative Will Stafford. Will, let's talk about some of the climate policy proposals that are out there. And there's a lot of talk about carbon markets, carbon banks, carbon sequestration. But even Secretary Vilsack acknowledged that uh, these markets have to be built out for agriculture to really be able to benefit from them and take advantage of them. Where does that stand? What's the response reaction been so far? Yeah, uh, this is the hot button topic uh, among agriculture in Washington, D.C. right now. In just about every meeting uh, that I've been involved with, carbon and sustainability are discussed. So like I said, uh, USDA is kind of in listening mode right now, taking public comments from groups on those proposals. Um, but there have been a lot of uh, rumors and discussions from, from folks at USDA about carbon, about a potential carbon bank. Um, but right now, um, those are really nothing more than talks. Uh, on the Hill, as far as legislation goes, uh, one piece of legislation that we are watching closely is called the Growing Climate Solutions Act. And this is a, a bipartisan piece of legislation that was introduced by the chairwoman of the Senate Ag Committee um, last Congress, Debbie Stabenow from Michigan, and Mike Braun, a Republican from Indiana, uh, that would really direct USDA to break down barriers for farmers to be able to participate in those carbon markets in addition to um, having money set aside for third-party verification to make sure that they're run uh, in an honest way, uh, and for technical assistance to help farmers transition um, and learn those climate-smart practices that would be involved um, in capturing those carbon credits. So a lot of proposals, a lot of uh, suggestions, and a lot of ideas out there, but it's going to be, something's going to happen. They're going to move in this in this direction we've been talking about, but what details are in there? It's, that's why it's so important for agriculture to be at the table, right? To be in these discussions. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I know CHS through many trade associations that we're involved with um, or will be, uh, you know, participating in that comment section or comment period to USDA. And this is really the time for agriculture to be at the table. Uh, you know, if you're not at the table, you're the one getting eaten. Um, so this is the one time for farmers and, and farm groups to speak up about what works and what doesn't work uh, for them. And I know from our standpoint, we are really emphasizing uh, that any any programs put in place by USDA to incentivize carbon capture need to be voluntary mm-hmm. for farmers, not mandatory, and really shouldn't Key take point. away from the suite of programs that uh, already right. exist in farmers' use. Well, that's a key point. Well, thank you so much. Good to talk with you. Appreciate it. You too, Mike. Thanks. Will Stafford, Washington Representative for CHS. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, It could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. 
A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So there are several tax proposals out there that could really impact agriculture, and we want to take a closer look at them. And joining us now is Paul Neifer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. Paul, good to talk with you again. There are several things here I want to talk about, but let's start with uh, the the proposal that goes along with the infrastructure plan that to help pay for it would be uh, we've heard about an increase in the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent if that happens what would be the impact on agriculture you know it, I, I think right now it's to be determined if it does go up to a flat 28 percent then uh, that would be detrimental for our farmers because a lot of the farmers historically until the tax reform act came in in 2018 only paid 15 percent tax rate so if this ends up being a 28 percent tax rate compared to a couple of years ago they basically are facing a doubling of their income tax rate so this could be a dramatic increase in taxes for those farmers that operate as c corporations now a lot of those farmers have switched over to s corps so, you know, it, it, and the reason I say to, to be determined is that there is a chance that they might bring back a graduated tax rate. So let's say the first 50 or $100,000 of income might be taxed at 10% or 15%, uh, a little bit more progressive. You know, that's what the Democrats always talk about is a progressive tax structure. So, like I say, just I, I don't know yet whether it would be a major impact or a minor impact. I've said before, beware anytime something is uh, is being sold as, we'll pay for it by taxing the rich, because all of a sudden you, you may find yourself in the category of the rich without realizing it when it comes to how the government defines it. Uh, so when we talk about, about that corporate tax rate, that sounds like it's... Uh, just on big corporations, but uh, how many farms, uh, roughly, do you think, what percentage of farms might fall into that category because they are structured that way? I, I think it's probably in the 5% range. Now, this is just a guess on my part, but I know in our region, there are certain pockets of the state where uh, maybe 60 or 70% of the farm operations are structured as a C corporation, because again, five, 10, 15 years ago, that was the best tax structure. Now it's probably not the best tax structure. And again, if it is a flat 28%, that, that's going to cause a lot of those farmers to switch over to an S-Corp. Okay, so we'll watch that when we're talking with Paul Neifer, CPA for Clifton, Larson, Allen. All right, Paul, I don't know how many times over the years you and I have had these discussions and conversations about a state tax and a step-up yeah. basis, but here we go again, right? I mean, it's it's back in the news. It's part of the uh, proposed or at least an idea that's floated out there for raising uh, money to pay for some of these spending plans. Yeah, yeah, you know, the step-back uh, is proposing anytime you do a transfer. Now, this isn't an, an estate tax necessarily. This is anytime you do a transfer. So if you do a gift during lifetime or if you do a transfer at death, 
you essentially are going to pay a, a transfer tax. So during lifetime, you can transfer up to $100,000 of appreciated property, so like farmland or grain or whatever, those type of assets. And at death, you can do a million dollars, including unless you did the 100000 during lifetime, then it would be 900000 So. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a transfer tax. It could either be capital gains rate, ordinary income tax rate. Now, the offset that I'm pretty sure when I read the, the actual code in the law or in the proposal is that we'll still get step up in bases, but you have to pay for it. So I, I, and it's an immediate tax. So that's, uh, you know, that, that's just not a very nice proposal. Plus, it's retroactive to January 1 of this year. You know, the other proposal that's floating around out there at least has a January 1 of 2022. And then a lot of farmers have put assets into trust. The negative about this bill is it says every 21 years, you're going to have to take all your appreciated assets and pretend like you sold it for fair market value. And, and that means every 21 years, any appreciated assets that that farm trust has you're, the heirs or whoever the beneficiaries are are going to have to pay a tax. So this is pretty onerous for a lot of our farm families out there. Yeah, and let's talk more about that because the old uh, um, argument has been, oh, it really doesn't affect that many. It doesn't impact that many. But yet, if you're one of the however many it is, it's certainly a, a huge issue. Well, and, and I can tell you that if the step back goes through is that it's currently written, uh, I'm going to say 80% of what I call the farm families that I deal with, maybe 90% of the farm families I deal with, and they're not necessarily rich. I mean, you know, these days to have a million dollars appreciation on farmland means you bought a quarter section 20 years ago for $1,000 an acre. Now it's worth $7,000 an acre. That's what we're talking about. That's a million dollars of appreciation. Uh, so, uh, you know, it doesn't take much for almost all of my farm families, that, at least that I deal with and that other CPAs across the country deal with, to be hit with this tax. And again, now when I say an immediate tax, uh, what, what the Step Act does indicate that if you have, um, you know, illiquid assets such as farmland and so on, that you get to pay that tax over a 15-year period. But there's a lien on that property. If you want to go and get a loan against that property, you're going to have to pay, pay off that lien. So I, I don't think uh, that that's that great of a deal. So we emphasize again, these are all proposals. But when you have this many proposals out there and you're writing huge checks and different types of uh, government spending programs, that has to be paid for one way or another. That's going to in one way or another, wind up being an increase in taxes. So it just depends on where it's going to fall and how much it's going to happen or how much the rates are going to be. So that's why it's important to keep track of all this. Yeah, yeah, and then also, you know, Bernie Sanders or, you know, Senator Sanders came out with a proposal called the the 99.5% uh, act or something like that. Uh, you know, I think he's saying, hey, we're only going to uh, uh, tax the 0.5%, but I did a blog post on that uh, yesterday. And essentially, in that situation, any, any farmers that have placed their assets into trust, you know, a dynasty-type trust, essentially that's going to be subject to an estate tax every 50 years. And, you know, and, and Mr. Sanders is very... You know, he lists all the billionaires in the United States saying, okay, all these billionaires are going to pay extra tax because of this act. 
Well, his act doesn't address the fact that all these billionaires, such as Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, etc., are placing their assets into a private foundation that escapes the estate tax. So the, the farmer that's got 20 or $30 million of, of assets is going to pay 5 or $10 million of estate tax under this proposal, whereas, let's take Jeff Bezos, if he puts all of his assets at death into a private or charitable foundation, none of that gets taxed. So the farmer with $20 million is going to pay more his estate or her estate is going to pay more than Basil's estate when he passes away. So, so it's disingenuous of, of Bernie to list all these billionaires thinking he's going to raise all that money. It's just not going to happen. So the super rich are figuring out ways to protect themselves and in the eventuality that these tax increases come. What about farmers? <laughs> what, is there anything they can do in, in the meantime, or do they just have to wait and see uh, which proposals go through? Yeah, yeah, this is, I hate to say it, this is a case of wait and see. It is, it, it, there is no advice I think I can give right now. I can't tell a farmer to go out and give away everything because the step back says if it goes through, then if you give it away right now, you pay a transfer tax, and I don't think we want our farmers to be paying a transfer tax. And then also, you know, we were t discussing with farmers, should you have done major gifts last year? Well, a lot of farmers, they still need those assets for income for the retirement. So yeah, this is, this is really a wait and see. I mean, uh, I hate being uh, that person where somebody asks me, what do I do? And I say, yeah, we don't know. And that's, that's the real answer right now is we don't know. I have a feeling that we're going to talk often this year about these very same topics as we start getting some details of, of where it's going. I, I can tell you, you know, I, I've been doing the, the blog since 2009, and, and this year for sure, I'm not too worried about running out of a lack of or not having a lack of material to, to, to post about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish it was better. Now, what we have to realize, too, is even if the let's say these laws go through um, you know is this still going to be the law five years from now or four years from now if we get a change in congress likely the house is going republican next year i mean even the democrats admit that you know if, if they keep pushing these large bills through even the senate might change and the president might change in a couple of years yeah Permanent isn't permanent, right? We've we've learned that um, going both ways on these things. All right. Paul, as always, thanks uh, for the uh, insight on this. We'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Paul Niefer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. All right. We'll talk markets next with Todd Holtman with DTN right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit 
that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. The sell signals in corn and beans we hoped for this week seems further away than expected. Instead, prices have moved right back to the middle of their trading ranges. Wheat was the only grain market to close well off its green line 20-day moving average, with Kansas City wheat posting a new low close for the year. Wheat prices are reacting to favorable crop conditions, improved ratings, and bigger numbers Friday. We are seeing mixed futures on the Board of Trade this morning. May corn trading a penny and a half cent higher at 5.55 and a half cent. The July contract up a penny and a half cent at 5.42 and a half cent. For soybeans, the May contract down 11 and a fraction at 14.07 and a half cent. The July contract down nine and three quarters at 14.01 and a half cent. For wheats, the Chicago wheat May contract trading two and three quarters lower at 6.13 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat May up four and a fraction at 5.59 and three. Quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat may up six cents at six seventeen. The July contract up five and three quarters at six twenty-five and three quarters. Livestock futures continue to show solid support as consumer demand ramps up. Packers are paying more for beef and pork, but consumers continue to spend money to get it. In cash cattle country, asking prices are around one hundred and twenty-two dollars plus in the south and one hundred and ninety-seven dollars plus in the north. April live cattle trading ten cents lower at one twenty. The June contract up 27 at 124.90. For feeder cattle, the April contract trading 60 cents higher at 147.07. The May contract up 92 at 152.70. In lean hog futures, the May contract $1.32 higher at 103.97. The June contract up $2.07 at 107.70. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, <clears throat> me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we talk markets now with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Todd, 
We've had a chance now to kind of uh, catch our breath from the planning intentions and stocks report. Now, I know the markets still trade off those numbers, but have things kind of just kind of calmed down? Everybody been able to take a step back from this for, for, the, for the time being as we start planting now? Yeah, I think there's some truth to that, Mike. Good morning. Uh, if you look at the recent chart for May corn and May soybeans, you see both of those markets in very tight, narrow kind of sideways ranges, neither one of them. Uh, willing to get too far away from their recent highs, uh, so we we seem uh, kind of kind of stuck in this area, and and I think uh, the the, uh, the obvious cards uh, are all pretty well known that we know that there's tighter than expected supplies of corn around, and of course we know the soybean market is extremely tight as far as supplies go. So uh, what's going to disrupt that? And we we don't uh, see a big move yet. Okay, so I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Traditional thinking is if you get good weather early on, farmers like to plant corn, uh, they're going to get started, and if they can keep going, they may plant more corn acres. We're trying to figure out, are we going to get more, yes. more corn acres or more bean acres? But it seems to me that with more and more farmers tending to go with early planted beans, could that work the other way this time. I mean, they're out there, they're planting, and weather's good. They just keep planting beans. Yeah, um, and I, I'm with you. And it's easy to get a little confused in here. And uh, frankly, in recent years, you know, I've heard guys have very good success with earlier mm-hmm. uh, than usual planting dates for soybeans. And there's certainly incentive this year. Uh, it, in my mind, I'm I'm really. Uh, for myself, for the most part, ignoring the March planning intentions. I think they were just too low for both corn and beans. Um, I'm also hearing that, uh, you know, in, in southern states or where they have been able to get going earlier than normal, uh, they're very interested in the short maturity soybeans because if, if they can get those soybeans harvested by September, there's kind of a bonus on the board uh, for getting a bit of an old crop by price versus the new crop. So, there's there's plenty of incentive both ways, and uh, it's a little hard to untangle, to be honest. All right, so yeah, I I don't think many of us believe the corn or bean acres numbers. Uh, we think yeah. they're going to be different than that, probably higher. But what about the sorghum numbers? I mean, they came out high. Do you expect that to probably be the case? Yeah, yeah, I do, and that's one thing I was talking about even before the report. I. I thought at least a half million acres higher. They turned out to be a million acres higher than a year ago, uh, looking about 6.9 on the sorghum. And I, I think uh, this year just kind of played into it. Number one, we have uh, some of our best sorghum prices we've seen in six years, just like we're seeing in corn and beans. Uh, number two, we've got a dry conditions in the western plains, which uh, I feel uh, many are thinking about planting sorghum as kind of a form of drought insurance uh, because it tolerates that condition uh, so well. And um, uh, we, we see some weakness lately in the cotton prices. Even though cotton prices have rallied overall, I think there's room there for, for sorghum to outcompete them uh, this year. And one nice benefit of sorghum uh, versus cotton on that scenario is you can get that harvested earlier in the season and get your check earlier. So I think there's a lot of pluses for sorghum. And again, China demand has made a lot of that possible. Okay, let's look at the wheat market. The the conventional wisdom is we're going to be feeding more wheat. Uh, where do you see that market going? Yeah, overall in the big picture, we always have to look at the world crop. And so far, the world's wheat regions seem to be starting out well in 2021. 
Europe, Ukraine, southern Russia. We had uh, dry fall concerns uh, for Russia last year, but they evidently got pretty good moisture over the winter. All three of those major regions are looking fairly good early uh, in, in the season. So that is putting kind of a bearish cast on wheat overall. Here in the U.S., uh, we've had some disappointment with the demand scenario for the hard wet red winter variety uh, and a little boost in the uh, planting estimate from USDA last week uh, for the hard red winter variety. So they've been under pressure the most. Uh, the, the wheat that looks the, the closest to being bullish at this time, in spite of all those bearish factors, is the spring wheat. And uh, that September Minneapolis contract up 11 cents this morning, I think it's finally starting to show some appreciation for just how dry it is in the northwestern plains and western Canadian prairie. Uh, and also the fact that there's competition for spring wheat planting this year. There's a lot more profitable crops like uh, canola and uh, other things in those regions uh, that could edge out some of those spring wheat acres, even more than USDA estimated last week. So it's uh, 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 if there's one bullish hope for wheat right now, it's mostly on the spring wheat side. Well, let's talk conditions. Uh, there's some moisture moving across uh, the country this week after some farmers were able to actually get started with planting. And... Um, Others are kind of holding off to maybe after this system moves through. But that area, the Dakotas up through there, that has been so dry. I'm sure a lot of farmers are thinking, do I want to go ahead and even and plant into these dry soils or just wait to see if we get some moisture? Yeah. Now, it's interesting. Uh, I, I uh, talked with some North Dakota producers about a month ago, and they were actually very tickled at the time that they were having a drier start to the year because it had just been so awfully wet uh the past 10 years they've had it's been a long time since they've had an early planning opportunity i'm not sure they would share the same opinion today as, as uh, they were a, a, a month ago when i talked to them uh it, usda came out with their crop first crop progress report this year and when they looked at the topsoil in north dakota they said only 88 percent of it excuse me had adequate moisture uh, everything else was less than that. So very tough start. North Dakota is uh, the problem spot this year in the early outlook, and we also have a little drought spot in northwestern Iowa. Everybody else ought to be off to a very good uh, early start this year. But it seems like even in a lot of areas that are in pretty good shape now, there's not a lot of surplus of moisture. So it's going to be, you know, we're going to be counting on those timely rains. I, I would think those weekly crop condition reports, which we watch uh, all along, but every year, but, you know, some years we put more stock in them than others. I got a feeling this year that's going to be watched pretty closely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, of course, with that, we have to throw in there the 10-day the weather forecast. It's going to be very close. You're right. We're still in a La Nina pattern, which tends to be drier for the Midwest. Uh, through the growing season. So that is a concern. Our, our long-term drought uh, expectations are not necessarily backing off yet. The, the one- to three-month models tend to still be on the dry side uh, when looking at the forecast. So you're very right. It's going to come down to short-term forecasts, and if that rain actually shows up in a timely manner, and there's no guarantee of it yet. So how do you see markets reacting, especially here early on? It seems like Typically, markets get 
there's a presumption of what's going to happen. Uh, uh, the, the narrative is it's going to be a big crop. And until proven otherwise, the market's going to go with that or vice versa. What is the mindset, you think, uh, of what's the narrative that the markets are following right now? Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because this year of all years, it's uh, been a, a totally different mindset that we're starting out the new season with, especially in soybeans, right? I can't ever think of a time where uh, we had a planning estimate that was actually predicting less production than we could uh, match for demand. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's it's been a long time since we've had that kind of a bullish expectation. And in the case of corn, even if we do get 92 or 93 million acres planted, it won't necessarily uh, add very much to the ending stocks total in the fall. Uh, and of course, uh, weather will be a big part of how that swings. So uh, it, it's a totally different mindset this year. I still think there's room for new crop prices to gradually trade higher. But I think given all the uncertainties we're talking about, there's a lot of caution, understandably, uh, looking forward. So for marketing plans, is flexibility the word? Yeah, and quite frankly, uh, I'm not as eager to make new crop sales this year as I would be in previous years. And, and of course, especially for guys like in North Dakota, if you, if you can't be confident of what production you're going to have this year, uh, that it, you almost have to rule out making new crop sales. But for everybody else even, it's hard to go more than 25% in some areas. And uh, uh, and really, I think there's still time on our side as far as getting that December corn price higher uh, to, to make a better sale price. So uh, unlike previous years, I, I don't see any reason to jump the gun just yet. So be in a position where you can take advantage of uh, these potential price spikes coming later this year, perhaps. Yeah, and in fact, if you have a price in mind, get that in because you never know. Uh, you know, these can be some volatile markets this spring, and, and they can fill. Uh, lots of times, we'll see uh, higher prices trade overnight, and then they'll be back down during the day. Yeah, some big decisions on marketing as always, but uh, at least uh, I keep saying this: there are better options, right? The better choices, just some better than others, but uh, most of them are good right now. Well, that's just it. When do we ever talk about making forward sales of, of corn near $5? So uh, you, you can't complain too much. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a nice problem to have. Yeah. Todd, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Very good. T Todd Holtman, DTN Lead Analyst. Well, Farm Progress Show, an in-person event again coming uh, later this summer. And plans are underway now for the show in Decatur, Illinois. We will talk with Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, about plans for this year's show. And are they getting the, are they getting the crops planted this year? Last time it was in Decatur, it was uh, a real challenge to get crops planted. A little different story this time. We'll get an update next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Okay, need a little more. Too much, little less, just about got it. And that's what it's like figuring out nitrogen. But with My Field Nurture from FS, your crop specialist can help with expertise and a vast array of tools to manage nitrogen all season. You'll get a plan for the right source at the right rates at the right times and in the right place to maximize ROI. So talk with your FS crop specialist to learn more about My Field Nurture. Right there, perfect. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thought leaders. 
You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we look forward to the Farm Progress Show being back as an in-person event this year, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd in Decatur, Illinois. Joining us now is Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager. Matt, as I've seen uh, planters rolling throughout central Illinois these past few days, it makes me think of how different it is this year compared to the last time the Farm Progress Show was in Decatur. And I was sitting there listening to you and the host farmers go through plans A, B, C, and D about uh, getting the the crops planted for the show and the challenges you face. It's a little different this year. It, it is a little different this year. You know, it's kind of funny how you go into a, a season and you can just kind of feel what, you know, you can just kind of feel it. And it just feels like a spring that we're going to, we're going to get good windows to get the crops in really timely. Um, you know, actually, we, uh, we, we took a pass on planting yesterday at, in, in Decatur and in Grand Island um, just because there was this cold rain that, you know, you're, you're, is probably in your forecast too, but there's this rain coming through right now. It actually just hit us here in western Illinois, and, and um, we're just going to let that one pass and then uh, it looks like we're going to have some real good windows next week to get all these crops in the ground. There's there's a lot of field work that have, that's been done. Um, you know, the seeds in the shed, everything is everything is as ready as it can be. And, and when you've got four 24-row planters trying to put in 350 acres, it just doesn't take all that long. So they'll be able to smoke that in in, in a lot less than one day when when things get right. So you haven't started planting yet. I was wondering about that. Uh, so, and again, I always remind people this. Uh, you have, when, you're, when you've got a show set for the end of August, 1st of September, that puts different pressures on you timing-wise uh, to have a crop ready to harvest during the show. Yeah, and, you know, there's a, it's kind of the first physical step of having a show. You know, typically when you have a, a trade show of some kind, the first physical step is just two or three days ahead of time when you walk into the facility and you start setting up booths and that kind of thing. But when you're doing an outdoor show and when you're trying to do field demonstrations, that, that corn planting is the first step because when they go out and make those passes, we have to have traffic control and crowd control and, and physical flow of machines figured out and how we're going to get them from the staging point and, and around to the field demonstrations and how do the tiling demonstrations work into that. So, yeah, you know, we've, we've kind of, and fortunately we do this at the same facility every year, and the only thing that changes in terms of the layout is where we're going to do the tiling. So, you know, the, these guys are pros at it, and they'll, they'll, they, they know what they're, what they're doing, but it means 
planting fields differently than you normally would. If you have a rectangular 80-acre field, you're going to plant it the long way, typically. Well, that doesn't give us the maximum amount of passes in front of the crowd, so we plant it the short way. And a lot of those kind of things that that, that go into the planning that, that purposely the visitors never even think about, it, it just it just happens. And, and if, if it just happens and they don't notice it, then we've done our job right. So your plan is to plant, start planting in Decatur at the Decatur site next week. Same with uh, Husker Harvest at, in Grand Island, Nebraska. Yep, that is exactly right. We'll, uh, I would hope that by the end of next week we'll have all those crops in the ground. And, and you know, that, that's kind of us putting our flag in the ground saying we are having live events at these show sites and, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're asking everybody to mark their calendars. You know, it's been, there's been two years worth, by the time we get to showtime, there will have been two years worth of product introductions that came out that nobody's actually seen in person. You've only seen it on a little screen in front of you, whether it's your phone or your iPad or your computer. It's time to go and stand next to it and, and point at it and ask the questions of the experts and, and, and figure out how all these new things work. Talking with Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager. Matt, what other plans do you have going right now for this year's shows so this is the time when you're when you're just starting to hear about some of those product introductions so there's kind of a lot of those phone calls going on of uh, you know we want to do this and we want to have this vip event and we're going to have this unveiling and and also the same time um two years worth of mergers and acquisitions and partnerships so you know, shuffling the exhibit field around, I have this 900-piece puzzle at each show site that I've got to build every year, and it takes a lot of time, and, and, you know, we have 600 exhibitors at each show site, and every one of them has special needs and wants and desires, and so you're, you're just kind of filtering through and sorting all that. And at the same time, you know, I, 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 I was really pleasantly surprised that, that we have at least one new building project going at each show site, if not a couple at each show site. You know, I know of at least a building going up at Husker and a building going up uh, in Decatur. Uh, there's, there have been folks that, have, that are planning to put down gravel and, and make other improvements to their exhibits, and I, I really did not expect that coming out of a COVID year. I was going to be thrilled to just have a live in-person event and not have big capital improvements happening, but we still, you know, even in this, even in this, this year, this time when everything is in question, we have exhibitors that are partnering with us and, and making plans that make them, you know, long-term partners at, at, at both exhibit sites. Well, the dates are August 31st through September 2nd in Decatur, Illinois for Farm Progress Show and September 14th through 16th for Husker Harvest Days in, in Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, I, I just have to believe that all involved are really excited to, to get back to an in-person event. You know, it's it's kind of funny. We're we're looking at this thing, and and with good corn prices and nobody being out of the house for two years, we could be on the way to a you know a record breaking show. And but there's always that question of of what kind of restrictions are going to be in place come come the end of August. I hope there are almost none, uh, but we've got plans in place in case there are a few things we need to change and tweak to make it a safe event for everybody. Uh, but, you know, there's there's probably never been more unknowns going into a show season, which makes it exciting because there's a great deal of potential there for a, a couple of really fantastic shows this year. All right, Matt, we will stay in touch and keep everybody updated. Thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Everybody be safe out there this spring. Take care. Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager.
as we look forward to Farm Progress Show coming up August 31st through September 2nd, Decatur, Illinois, Husker Harvest Days, Grand Island, Nebraska, September 14th through the 16th. All right, coming up tomorrow, we're going to get more uh, information on the proposed infrastructure plan, what's in it, what's what we don't know about it, also about some of these tax proposals, some legislation introduced to deal with the estate tax. Lots to talk about again tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.